Okay. I see you back there. Praise God. Welcome. Where is, where is, where is Nicole? Where? Well, all right. We've heard about, about you, my dear. Welcome. your young man drive yet, do you? That's a long trip. Bless your heart. Amen. New day. Thank you, Lord. Uh, it's a bumpy road on that river. But, uh, I, and, and I think we're all praying for uh, a, a little closer uh, exit here, right? Yeah. Okay, because these guys are working hard out there. Lord, be with us today. We thank you that your care is greater than our understanding. And so we, uh, we submit ourselves and ask you to, to once again show us the way for your son's sake. <coughs> Let's gather.
morning. <coughs> Brother Bill was talking yesterday about staggering uh, and how Zachariah didn't, um, and his wife didn't really um, believe right off the word of God and um, one of the reasons why you know <laughs> God kind of took him at his word and had him be silent for a long time five minutes is a long time ten nine months seem like forever um, but uh, thinking about that and the promise that God made, I've also still been thinking some about Abraham and Sarah, uh, how they were of age. And um, it's, it's almost, and I say almost because I think God is able to do anything, but it's almost as if God thrives on waiting for things to be impossible yeah. Yeah. Um, in order for him to move. And um, is and I'm not saying we all know you know what's impossible with men is possible with God. We we say that a lot, but it's it's uh it's I think God lets us prove to ourselves the impossibility of anything before He actually starts to move and change things. And I think uh, you know we we're more more and more. A lot of us, some of us, have come up against stuff that we are beginning to realize that there is just nothing I could do about that. Uh, I couldn't help it. I can't change it. And, and when that starts becoming a reality, you start begin believing. <laughs> That's just the first step, believing that God is the only one that is able to change, and that is when God uh, seems to really enjoy moving and changing something. When, when we finally realize that, uh, I mean, I mean, why did He have to wait till Abraham and Sarah were of that age to bring forth the child that He had promised from the beginning? Um, but they probably thought, I mean, for a long time that. That and Abraham had had that promise 25 years earlier, and there was still something in him that he thought that he could do it, just like we still think that that we're able to bring something good, to do something good, and uh, more and more we're realizing that God takes us and is taking us to the end of ourselves, the end of our abilities, the end of our whatever, we don't even know what that is, um, and just just to, to the place that we finally believe that, uh, that it's actually going to be by His hand, and that He's the only one that is able to perform the work that He is about to perform in our lives. And, uh, and that doesn't come by words, it doesn't come 
but even seen what happened to others. But it comes by the work of God in your life, day by day. You know, uh, you start. You, we all, we all believe. We all don't believe. We all go back and forth. But God is is uh, working in us, in us, um, to bring us to that to that place of emptiness, to that place of uh, of a total reliance uh, on His work and and His hand. And I um. I want to read um, Psalm 31. Like I said, this will be short, but this is what I've been thinking about and would have loved to have had more time to. Sometimes you think you're working on something and then God is working on you. (laughs) Or something happens. Yeah, I was uh, I was laughing in my heart the other day. We were in Valdez, and uh, <clears throat> John and Carol had uh, very generously uh, bought us uh, pa- uh, tickets to go out fishing, halibut fishing, and. Uh, Took Lynn and I, well, it was Anthony and Nikolai and I and John and Peter and Jesse. And we had a great time. Um, but um, we were staying in this, in this bed and breakfast. Uh, <coughs> which bed and breakfasts are weird. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this very nice couple, this family, very uh, strong Christian family. Um, and uh, very dear people, I didn't talk to them a lot, but I heard a lot of conversations with John and Carol and Lynn and some of the others had with them. Um, but as we were leaving, they had heard that, that John had been sick the last night we were there. And so then uh, the lady asked if she could pray for him. So we were in the truck getting ready to go, and uh, they, she went and woke up her kids Gather them all. They look thrilled to be there. Um, <laughs> and uh, stood around. The doors open, and, and John's truck. I was—I didn't know that this was happening at that moment. I was loading back on my truck, um, and um, and they gathered around John and laid hands on him and uh, prayed for him. Um, <clears throat> but uh, and I appreciated all that. I appreciate people's faith. And regardless of where they're at in God, uh, that you know that they are doing what they know. But right. I, I was laughing in my heart because the intensity of demanding that God do something right now. Uh. Um, and, and and she kept saying this over and over. And I think one of her older girls also kept saying, "Right now, healing right now." Uh. And um, and that's I'm not mocking um, the prayer. Just the silliness in us that to think that we can command God to do something about a situation that we don't like the way it's turning out to be. Um, because we don't know um, that God intended that and the purpose of what God is doing in that situation. We, we, think, we see things that 
we think are wrong and we want to change them and forget the there is someone that has an overall picture and by that I mean over the whole situation and can see everything and this might be a very key piece of, 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 of uh, work or something that needs to happen in that process of him working all things together for good and uh, and so that's why I was I was uh, I was just uh, you know not laughing at her but just yes she brought it up and made me like kind of silly but uh, but we think we can demand from God and it does say command ye me concerning the work of my son so there is a place to, to ask God and, and plead with him I'm not saying that um, but also realize that, that his work is greater than what you and I are involved in. And that this might be a very key position, a very key piece of the greater work that he is doing. And the thing that we need more than anything is the strength to walk through those situations. Whether he heals us or not, whether he changes the circumstance or not, oh man, I wish God would change certain circumstances. Like, you know, I pray for, for things to to change and, and for him to move and, you know, um, and and that's fine to, to have that desire. But above all, I don't want to stop short. What do I do? The work. Not animated, it's good. <clears throat> I don't want to stop the work of his hands because I feel uncomfortable. I feel pain um, because I I think that something is wrong. I mean, nobody wants to see little a Ava suffering, you know, hurting like she is. We wouldn't do that to our child. Um, <clears throat> Brother Bill asked Olivia yesterday morning at opening, Olivia, what would you do if your son, you couldn't see your son, all of a sudden he would disappear. And she said, panic. And that is what we would do. But that's not our God. He doesn't panic, but he knows where we are at all times. And he knows what we need. Just like any parent knows what a child needs. Better than that, really, because we, God actually knows what you and I need. And he, we are never lost from his view, from his perspective, and mostly from the project, from the work of his hands. We're always involved, and he always knows <coughs> where his children are. Um, so, all that to start... <coughs> well, in Psalm 31... Verse 1, it says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thine ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for an house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress, therefore for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the 
net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I, you know, and you keep reading here, and it goes on about all the things, all the trouble that we have. Verse 7, it says, I will be glad and rejoice in thy mercy, for thou hast considered my trouble. Thou hast known, he has known the soul, my soul's in adversity. He's, he knows the hand of the enemy in verse 8, but yet he's put my feet in a large room. You have mercy upon me, for have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief. Yea, my soul and my belly. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fell because of my iniquity and my bones are consumed. I mean, you, you can identify with this, can't you? Just the trouble sometimes that seems to come from every angle and just our <clears throat> lack of capacity to do anything about it. Verse 12, I am forgotten as a dead, as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. <clears throat> Verse 14, but I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my God. And, you know, very, uh, what I'm, very simple this morning. Yes, all those things are there, but are you able to say... And are you able to believe, I trust it in thee, O Lord, that you are able to save me regardless of the circumstances that I'm in. Whether I got myself in them or whether you're, you know, Brother Bill said yesterday again, you know, God is going to try us. He's going to deal with us. He's going to continue to work with us. Regardless of what's happening, are you still trusting that God is your rock? Um, verse 15 my times are in thy hands deliver me from the hand of my enemy and from them that persecute me make thy face to shine upon thy servant save me for thy mercy's sake and you know this this line just hit me the other day make your face to shine upon your servant the one way you and I can get through this is is the face of God is shining upon you if we're asking him, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know what is going to come out of me. But let it be your face that comes through. You know, that is the light of the world. The light of the world is his face shining through us. In adversity. In wherever we're found. And I think that is what he's producing through all this. Just... He wants his life, his face, to be able to be emanate through your servant. Let your face shine through your servant, Lord. <clears throat> Chapter uh, 34.
verse uh, 1 again. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> we say that so fast. I will bless the Lord at all times. <laughs> so easy to say sometimes. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. <laughs> There's a lot of things that come out of my mouth that are not all praise. My soul shall make her boast in the, her boast in the, in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and he heard me. You know, I, I was going to say this in the beginning. The thing about God is that He is listening. Yes. God is listening yes. to your cry. Uh, in Exodus, it talks about how the people of Israel cried out, and God heard their cry. Their cries have come up, is what it says. And God heard their cry. One thing that we can be confident is that God hears us. He hears, but you know, it's, he knows the, the cry. We've talked about this before. There's cry and there's cry, and he waits until we cry with the right intonation, the right help. heart um, and he knows when that is and um, and then he comes and helps his people but you know he also if, if God hears our cry he's also hearing the other things that we're saying <laughs> you gotta remember that <laughs> um, but but to know that he hears you he hears you God hears your cry. He, he knows your burden. He, he knows your plague. He knows your affliction. Um, he's well aware of it. And, and just like any parent, when it's the right time, he'll help you. He'll deliver you. Um... <clears throat> Few verses down. Verse 4 we read, I saw, I saw the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from my fears. They looked upon him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Look upon him. <laughs> And the thing about looking upon God is that whether your, your situation changes or not, you will receive the strength and the confidence to continue to walk. You know, we may not see answers to a lot of the things that we're looking for right now. Maybe in our lifetime, I don't know, I hope that we, we can see some changes. But whether or not 
the main thing that hopefully we see or we're able to experience is the strength of God to walk through whatever it is that he's taking us. Because at the end, I do believe that he will fulfill what he promised from the beginning. We may not see it right now, but we will see it. And that is the thing that we have to believe with all of our hearts. This whole thing hinges on us believing that what he promised, he will fulfill. I don't know why it is so hard for us to understand and to come to grips with belief. <laughs> Just to believing. Uh, you know, it, it almost seems like the whole gospel comes down to that one thing. Do you believe in your heart, like with everything that you are, that what he said, he will perform? Um, and uh, I want to read this here real quick and then move on. They looked upon him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. Put your name in there. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his trouble. You know, um, real quick, in Judges 6, we're all familiar with this. Um, the, the children of Israel had sinned and were in trouble. Uh, and the Midianites had pretty much taken over. And it's really insidious how the enemy um, had gathered themselves and had made fortresses and foxholes of the mountains so that they would watch when they would when the, when the people of Israel would sow anything they would wait and come and destroy their harvest um, and it, it says that um, I can't remember the exact word but basically uh, the, the nation was destroyed because there was no food there was nothing and uh, the Midianites were all over the place um, and that is how the enemy is. He, he, if you look at your circumstances with your natural eyes, he is all over you. And he's got all the high places. <laughs> um, and, and he's going to take advantage of any little bit of fruit, any little bit of hope that you get. He's going to pounce on that. Um, and, and that is how he works. But... Um, in, in chapter 6, somewhere around verse 10 or 11, uh, the angel of the Lord comes. And um, I should read it because it's actually it's pretty neat how it puts it better than I could. <clears throat> in Judges 6, 11. And, and, and this is the thing to remember. They were in this trouble because of their sins and because of their falling away. Okay? They weren't being dealt by God because of their righteousness. And we sometimes use that excuse as, you know, shame and guilt and condemnation because we know that we did it. And so we don't deserve any help. It's our 
way of thinking. I don't deserve any help. I did this to myself. Um, and you are right. You don't. <laughs> um, but this isn't based on whether you deserve something or not. That's the whole thing about God. It's by His grace. It wasn't based on, on our good deeds or whether we deserve something or not. We are, should be clear. We don't deserve it. But the enemy uses that to hold us back. The voices in your head are there to condemn you and put you down so that you do, don't do anything about it. Um, and, and, and that is just a tactic to hold you back from receiving the help of God and the grace that is already made available for you. So anyway, so they're in this situation. And the angel, verse 11, and, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertained unto Josh the Abyssalite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now that's interesting. He's, you know, you're not supposed to be getting wheat over by <clears throat> by where you make wine. Seems not not the right place. But they were hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. That is how God saw this guy. The Lord is with you, thou man of valor. Are you any different than that today? Do you think God sees you differently? Or would he, if he, if he, if he was to send an angel, would he say to you, The Lord is with you, thou man of valor. Isn't that what we've been hearing for all these years? The Lord is with you. He's for us. He, he, he's going to deliver us. He's going to bring us in. But we sit here and we don't believe that. We, we see how men, Gideon, God was with Miriam, with Gideon. But the same things have been said about us for years. The Lord is with you, thou man of valor. <clears throat> and, um, and Gideon, and this is the most astonishing thing. Some of us would have been on the floor, on the ground, face down. But Gideon has a normal conversation with this guy. And Gideon says unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling us? That's a pretty good question. That's a very reasonable question. He wasn't intimidated by, the, by this angel. Maybe the angel didn't look like an angel. I have no idea. It says he was an angel, and they called him a, a you know, man of valor. Um, but he goes on to ask a very pertinent question, the one that you and I ask every day. If he's with us, if he really is with us, why? Why is all this happening to me? Why has nothing changed? Why is the circumstance the same? That's a good question for to ask the angel directly. <clears throat> and Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befalling unto us? And where be all the miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go. In this thy mind, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent thee? And 
And he said unto him, O my Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. As if God didn't know that he was the poorest, the least in his family. This should give you hope in me. Because I think we can identify with this guy. He felt like he had nothing to offer of anyone. Of anyone. Someone else is better. Your brothers, your sisters, your fathers, your parents, somebody. I mean, they, they had something going. I don't. Yet God said, I will be with you and you will save Israel from the Midianites. They will totally be destroyed. It doesn't matter that they have the great hiding places. It doesn't matter that, that they seem to be very cunning and that they are smart. I'm with you. And because I am with you, you will be delivered. What a, what a God that we have on our behalf to, to complete the work that he started from the beginning. You, may, you don't have to see. It would be nice, but you don't have to see the end result today. You do have to believe in the work that he is doing. That is the one thing that he is requiring of us. Believe in his work. If we were to go to Hebrews, first three chapters. It's a great, great little portion of scripture there. But God did away with a whole bunch of people because they didn't believe. They didn't believe the work of his hand. They didn't believe that he was actually going to do what he said he was going to do. And the one thing that it says is, you know, don't be like them. <laughs> don't be like those that moved in unbelief. But be one who says, God, work that thing in me so that what comes out is I trust you and I know that you are going to perform. I don't see it, but I'm going to hold on to belief in your word and your promises. Amen. such an impartation here that it deserves uh, us being attentive. And please, let's have our children turn this way as much as they can when they're running. Uh, we live and die by the Word. And, and I'm not talking the Bible. I'm talking the life that came out of our brother today. Because it's, it's all engulfing in terms of where we are. And that's why we've come. And I'm exhausted. I, you know, terrible day yesterday. And I think of Bill and what I, I should be upstairs in the shower and, you know, everything about that. And that, you know, sometimes you just need to do that because you're, you're a mess in the service. But I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm, I'm there. This is so all-encompassing in regard to where we are, because. 
He wants to stop you, and you have been stopped at times. Like, what's the use? Uh, I'm not worth it. And, and, and the point, yet yeah, we aren't. That's not the point. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here and quote a couple of things. Because he could have stopped many times. This is full for us today, if you're listening. I mean, just one point. How many times have you been thankful that God didn't execute you or call you out in this process? I thought about that as I'm sitting there. And a verse comes to mind. Don't rejoice over me, oh my enemy, yes. though I fall, and I have. Right. Sometimes I'm thinking, I'm, I'm fallen. And that's exactly what he wants to do to you. But do not rejoice over me, oh my enemy. Though I fall, I will arise. Amen. And you, you've got to keep coming up, no matter what you look like, no matter what you feel like, no matter how many devils you've been dancing with. You have an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for you. How does it say it there in First Peter? Somebody has it, but it's a, yeah. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy, we deserved the chair, we reserved, reserved a hanging for our own independence. Some of the children don't get that. And so they have to wait and wait and wait. And that's what you're doing. That's what you're all doing. God help us if we don't appreciate that. He waited. The Bible says it. He waits so he can be gracious. Because you don't understand graciousness. Your attitude, my attitude was, hang them. You know, I used to say, hang them. And Betty said, well, he didn't mean that. He meant just, you know, hang around and see what happens. <laughs> but, but the point is, you're sons of the living God. You have an inheritance that's yours. God already sees you perfect. And he's just going to make sure that you get the, the picture yourself. <laughs> but not immediately. God help us. A couple of other things. That first couple of lines. I mean, this is a living word, folks. Sprayed with a with an individual who's hit roadblocks, bridges out. He's out of gas. I don't want to go on anymore. I feel like quitting. And if that hasn't been your heart, you haven't been up front, and you will see it and understand that. God help us. Bow your hands. Father, we thank you for life and for tested vessels and we thank you for this word today for us. Uh, you, you want us to be absolutely broken and contrite and we have contrite moments but we want that sustained thing. Even after you dealt with David severely he had to get up and go on and there were more things for him. We don't know what you have. We see death around us. We see affliction. But most of all, we have an inheritance that's reserved for us, and it cannot be touched. 
life of darkness. God help us. We thank you for life in Jesus' name.